You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another edition of NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride. NFL University is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app today and use code SBNNFL for a special offer when you sign up. That's code SBNNFL only at the DraftKings Sportsbook. The NFL has modified its postseason overtime rules, so obviously we're going to get into that today. Uh, Jim Irsay really hates Carson Wentz. Uh, it seems like a lot of people are not big fans of Carson Wentz, so we definitely have to get into that. And then later on in the show, we are going to do a top 10 mock draft discussion, get you a, a strong preview of the upcoming NFL draft. We're going to start amping up all of that coverage at the SB Nation NFL show here over the next few weeks leading up to the actual NFL draft. Now that it seems like free agency in the NFL offseason has slowed down a little bit. As I say that, I'm sure something crazy will happen, but it's been a quieter week for the most part around the NFL. So let me welcome in Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Fellas, thoughts on the adjustment of the NFL overtime rules? I, I know that there's a lot of strong opinions about it. I don't care that much either way. More football, I think, is just kind of where I lean. I want to see more fun. I would have liked to have seen the Bills get that extra possession against the Kansas City Chiefs, but and it is changed now. So moving forward, we if we ever get another game where a team comes back with 13 seconds left and forces overtime, we'll at least get to see a second possession. So do, do you guys know the numbers on that? Yes, 10 of the last 12 have, you know, have – who have won the coin toss and eventually won in overtime, but that's a 12 game sample size, man. How does that get left out? How do you ignore uh, years and years of evidence where the, the number I believe was 50%. And since 2017, it went up to 54%, which, Ooh, um, like, what are we doing? I, I really don't think it's that big of a deal. Um, it, it sounds like a cop out. And of course I understand the arguments where, why does only one defense have to make a stop? We can you can go down the rabbit hole or just have like endless arguments about that. Like I, I feel like if anything, the problem is the coin toss. Like that's what people are mad about. But um, it's we're getting closer and closer to college football rules. I, I don't like where this is headed. I yeah, I'm not a fan of it. I'm at the point where just make something simple. Like re, I'm, I'm truly at that point. Like the, the rules, the, and you have an ex, play ten minutes of football. It's ten minutes. We're gonna play ten minutes of football. At the end of it, we're gonna decide a winner. If not, it goes to another ten minutes. Like it, it doesn't have to be a, a two minute explanation at the coin toss where the referees having to explain any everything, and then Chris Collinsworth has to bring up the graphic and remind fans of what the rules for overtime is because they've changed it three times since like 2009 or whatever it is. So 
I don't know. I, I, I don't have strong opinions other than like it would be nice if everyone got a possession, right? Which is what the NFL was reactionary to uh, about in a playoff situation, which we've seen before, right? Like we've seen like the DPI stuff. Like you, you brought up a small sample size. Like how many times have we seen DPIs go uncalled? And then it happened in a playoff game at the end of the line. And they were like, we get, we have to change the rules of the game completely. These are reviewable plays now. And then they, the went away they, they literally did that. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I understand the NFL's logic because the past three years they've had, uh, you know, the rules committee has had, um, what do you call it, proposals up on the board to to potentially change overtime ever since, what was it, Patrick Mahomes never got to touch the ball in the AFC championship game uh, loss to uh, the, the New England Patriots in overtime. Ever since then, you know, there's been proposals about changing this, and it seemed like the straw that broke the camel's back was – this massive shootout where at the end of the game, Kansas city ends up scoring, you know, basically back to back and, and Buffalo never gets to touch the ball. And that was enough for the owners to come together and say, we would actually like those playoff games to go a little bit longer. My, my whole thing is just like, at what point do you just say like, play football, like just play football, play 10 minutes. That's it. That's the rule change. I, I, would anyone be bad? I'd Probably be not. totally fine with that with just, 10 minutes extra period let's go let's play let's see who's in who has the lead at the end of that thing. that's how they do it in all the other sports in all the other sports they just say hey here's another period here's a set amount of time score the most points in that amount of time and football is like ah we gotta we gotta have some sort of sudden death element and it's like that's always where all these things get hung up on i will say though the obvious thing to do now right is defer and and or maybe not defer, but but kick right. So you kick the team is potentially in a punt range. You could potentially start at like the forty yard line. There's also no promise that that first team gets a second possession, right? Just in terms of the clock, you still only have a ten minute clock as overtime is set today. So it goes from coin flips mean that you're receiving the ball to coin flips mean that you're kicking the ball, and I, I don't think that solves the problem. It doesn't just, at all. Just play 10 minutes of football. It's, it's that simple. I don't understand how they couldn't have gotten a proposal of just, hey, 10 minutes of football. The Titans proposal, did you guys see that? Where it was like, uh, it's still sudden death if you score a touchdown on the opening drive and get a two-point conversion. And I'm like, <laughs> who wanted these side games? No one, no one wants these side games in football. Like, just play 10 minutes. <clears throat> Yeah, I, to go back to what KP said about like the sample size, I feel like that is just it's a passing league and we're a reactionary society now, uh, especially with social media and everything. So it's just small sample size. This is what we have to do to make it better for the future. And, and that's the NFL trying to adjust to, I guess, the narrative that, that people want is like, yeah, we wanted to see the Bills have an extra possession in that game, but we're, we're still talking about a league that measures down in distance with chains and eyesight, despite all of the technology that's afforded to all of us now. Why are we assuming that the bills would have scored? Like, why is that the assumption? Just because they kept scoring in the game. So, so like who, but there are so many examples, just like the chiefs Bengals, the very next week, the Chiefs got the ball first. Everybody, oh, it's probably over. I'm, sh I'm sure if we were to look at the wagers that were placed in overtime, once Kansas City won the toss, a 
there were probably a lot of bets on Kansas City money line, assuming that they would have scored. And of course they didn't. I, I just feel like, yeah, I mean, maybe the best solution is just to let them play the entire quarter, the entire extra quarter, but you can't call that sudden death because it's not sudden death. Um, yeah. I don't, I agree with justice in the fact that nothing's really solved here. The other thing too, is just why, why only the postseason? I don't understand it. If it's a solve for postseason games, shouldn't it also be a solve for regular season games? I, I don't really understand. Regular season doesn't matter, apparently. I just don't understand the why they're playing under separate rules. Like, if we have a postseason for a regular season season, they should play under the same rules. They shouldn't yeah. have a delineation. I feel like maybe there's some NFLPA stuff that could come into play there where they're like, no, you already added an extra game. We don't we don't want the extended okay. overtime or whatever. Do but you think do you think a team that got scored on in overtime in the regular season is like, well, damn, we'll take the loss because I don't want to work, you know, that extra five <laughs> minutes for the next try. That's not how these guys operate. Like, did they talk to the players at all when, when they came up with this? Probably not. No, I doubt it. That doesn't make sense to me. Like, I, what do you think the, the approval rating is on, like, you score on first possession in the regular season, you just lose a game and you don't get a possession. Like, I, I feel like the players would hate that too. Like, they want a shot. In one of the most violent sports ever, the player or a quarterback just received the first guaranteed contract. I think it's safe to say that they don't care about what the players think or just what the players are in general. I am in favor of eliminating ties. Like, I just don't think we need ties in football. <laughs> you just keep going. <laughs> yeah. Forever. Inde- yeah. Indefinitely. Yes. Was, it the, was it the Steelers and Lions last season that tied? And it yeah. was just, it was just a brutal football game to watch start to finish. And then they played an entire overtime. And but you want that score. to keep, but you want that to keep going is what you're saying. Yeah, I feel like no. I'm cool. I'm cool. Honestly, I'm cool with ties in the regular season. I'm cool with no overtime in the regular season. Like if score and win, and then in the playoffs, we have to name a winner in one of these games so that the bracket ends up looking fine. Then just play an extra ten minutes. I'm cool with those rules, and I feel like that would be a whole lot simpler than whatever the NFL has come up with. When is the next time you guys think uh, that we'll see overtime rules change? Because from 2017 to 2022, five years, it's not a long time. I think that's kind of the window is now we need a sample size right. of this one not working out the way people want it to. And then they'll be like, all right, fine. We'll bring it to the table again. We'll have another discussion about it because somebody's team lost in the playoffs and people were upset about it. So we'll, we'll discuss it again here in another four or five years. It'll be two it, within two years the postseason rule change will either be gone completely, right? And we'll just revert to back to back to what they were, or it'll be expanded to the regular season. So if you count that as a rule change, I feel like that's coming up the pike. It'll definitely be a reaction to something. Yeah, but I do totally agree. Let's just keep it simple. Uh, I, I love just 10 minute extra, extra period. Let's go. Let, let's see who's ahead at the end of this thing. I think that, would be a lot more interesting than just updating the already not great overtime rules, but that is what it is. It's the way it's going to be, at least for the foreseeable future. We'll see if that changes again here in a couple of years, but 
Another story that came out of the league annual meetings is Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay, who, you know, Ursay's stepped in it a few times over the years. You don't um, say. <laughs> he's, you know, he, he's had some uh, some controversial uh, times during uh, his run as the Colts owner. But obviously we knew things with Carson Wentz as their quarterback fell apart. They, they dealt him after a year and it was a bad trade to begin with. It wound up costing them a first round pick. Uh, Wentz cost them a playoff appearance by losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Ursay was pretty hard on Wentz. It, it kind of seems like based on what he said, and it was just, it was over. It, it was time to move on. Like after only one season with Carson Wentz as their quarterback, Jim Ursay says, we knew we had to move on from him. To me, I don't know about you guys, but to me, it seems like Jim Ursay just absolutely hates Carson Wentz's guts. Like absolutely despises him as a football player. How many other owners spoke? I'm Like Ursay was one of the few, right? Maybe the only? Yeah. I, the, Mark Donovan talked for the Chiefs, but he's like the CEO, not the owner, the owner's Clark Hunt. I'm not sure about any other owners. I almost walked into a joke about Packers ownership, but Mark Mark Murphy, ah. the team president, did not speak for whatever that's worth. Yeah, just I mean, Ursay could not wait to get this off his chest. I think that, I feel like that was a mistake for it. He just walked into a room and sat down. Like yeah, he, he, was, was, <laughs> he wasn't even supposed to be meeting with the media. He wanted us Holden to court. know Carson Wentz is unbearable and we moved him because we had to. And that was the real takeaway. Man, how how about Washington being on the other side of this? Oh, thanks. That's the guy we just traded for and who we're stuck with for the next year or two. Uh, Not only that, if you're Washington, you got to feel like a real jerk once Matt Ryan became available, right? Like Matt Ryan becomes available and you're like, oh, we spent d- literally double. double that. We spent double that for Carson Wentz. Who That's is nowhere near the players, Matt Ryan. Well, and Washington put themselves in that situation, though, because even at the combine, Ron Rivera saying, we're getting a a veteran. We're not interested in the young quarterbacks in this draft. We're going to go get a veteran. And so they were just way too eager to make a trade. And the Colts were like, here, here's Carson Wentz. We'll figure it out. We're not worried about it. Just get him the hell out of here. And Washington was like, yes, we got our quarterback. And now it's pretty clear why they wanted him out of Indianapolis. And now it's clear like why Philly wanted to move on from him. He just doesn't seem like a guy that you can build your franchise around. And it just doesn't seem like he's a guy that really wants to be held accountable for the bad place that he makes on the field. And it's weird because I don't, I saw some clips from the athletics cold Colts podcast and they had the beat writers basically saying like, yeah, we knew in season, like this was not going to go well. Like every, the vibes were bad apparently. And the, the cheap shots at Jacksonville on the way out were funny to me for a team that was a bubble playoff team. I mean, they were a pretty well-rounded roster, but it's not like, I mean, it's the same thing we've been saying about Chris Ballard's Colts teams the entire time, right? Like they're super efficient. They have all these assets and they don't have a ton of like high, high, high end talent. And they don't have the quarterback position uh, figured out. Ursay said no disrespect to Jacksonville, but I mean, they're the worst team in the league. I mean, if you play well for the first quarter, they're probably looking to go to the locker room, you know? Like, you lost to them, so you can't have that much pride. In a regular <laughs> season game, he's taking this worse than any Falcons fan took 28-3. to <laughs> He's taking this worse than any Packers fan took the 2014 NFC Championship game collapse. There's he's that, hurt. Steve. He is hurt. He is online. 
I don't think he's wrong about the Jags for what it's worth, but I also But you lost to him. Yep, no, no arguing that yeah, at never, all. Never forget the Jags beat the Bills nine to six last season. Also true. Um I disagree though a little bit as far as the Colts go. I know that they were a fringe and they probably would have been like a seventh or sixth seed. I think they would have won a playoff game if they would have gotten in. And I know that puts a lot of faith in Wentz not going full Wentz, but just the way that team was built and the way that they match up with the other AFC playoff teams in from this past season, like I thought they were going to be legit. Maybe that's just me being wrong about them, but um, I, man, losing to Jacksonville, that, that has to be like bottom five moments of any team in the season. I remember that Sunday because there was all the, that was like playoff scenario Sunday. And the first one was you need the Colts to get upset by Jacksonville. And everybody's like, that's not going to happen. No, yeah, no shot. And then, then they actually did it. And it was just like a cascade effect from there on out. But I do remember there being a point in the season last year where I was kind of talking myself into the Colts, just like early in the season, I was kind of talking myself into the Patriots and then, you know, and Jonathan Taylor went on that incredible run. But it, it feels like Jim Irsay was like, Jonathan Taylor could have taken us to a Super Bowl like, <laughs> if it wasn't for Carson Wentz. Yeah, I can't. That That's the part that hangs me up, is Irsay acting like they had a Super Bowl team or a contending team. Like, they were fine. I don't – I mean, I guess I the, the way I view the Colts right now is kind of like how I viewed the Raiders and the Bengals, which is – they're a very well-rounded team in a conference that is very like stars and scrubs on a position to position, like unit basis, basically. So you could catch a team sleeping a little bit like, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals obviously did on the way to the Super Bowl, but that was still an unlikely result, right? Like you still, do you think Carson Wentz is going on the run that Joe Burrow did? <laughs> like right. despite, despite getting sacked the most times ever in, in playoff history, you know, being able to perform that way? I don't think so. Like, I've seen Carson Wentz duck under pass rushers for going on, what, this is like year six or something? Like, he's he's not changing. Which is why I said, like, I still feel like they would have been able to at least pull out one game in the playoffs. But for Wentz to do that in the wild card, divisional round, championship round, and then the freaking Super Bowl against the Rams, who they probably would have played anyway, no, not happening. Yeah, it just feels like Jim Irsay needed to lower his expectations for Carson Wentz. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like when he traded for him, he was like, "All right, we got, we got our new Andrew Luck. We got, we got our new quarterback." And Carson Wentz is just nowhere close to that. So, and all the all the reporting when this stuff, like the fallout, was like, "Yeah, he was really Reich's guy." Like everyone, like everyone's pointing the finger and it's like, "Remember, this was a decision made by him. Like no one else is taking ownership of it." Like that's tough they, they said that he had like a come to jesus meeting with like the scouts in season and was like everyone needs to figure out how, like how we can get, get better because like oh that was a close loss this isn't gonna do it like that team wasn't as good as he thought it was it seems like like that's the problem and if that's this if that's the situation like is reich really like is he on a hot seat if if ursay thinks this team is that good and they miss back-to-back playoffs that is an Ursa problem. That is not a Frank Reich problem. <laughs> right. Exactly. But like it can still impact his job. Sure. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I don't know. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I think the Colts, they've got some playmakers, but I, I, yeah, I don't look at them the way their roster is built right now. Like that's one of the best rosters in the NFL or anything like that. They're, they're solid. Like Chris Ballard has done a solid job of building that roster, but they still leave a lot to be desired when it comes to like star power and, and the makeup of that team right now. The type of receivers he's drafting, you can tell that he doesn't really get it. And that might seem harsh or like extreme, but Paris Campbell is kind of who they went all in with. And he's just like a slot receiver who runs a bunch of crossing routes. And he's always done that. That's Ohio what he State. did at Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then Michael Pittman, who, you know, w- at his best would probably be like T. Higgins, like a high-end wide receiver too. But like that's who they're relying on. And these are the guys that they're bringing in to brief wide receiver one in a league. And you look around the, the league, um, Cup, Odell, Shay, like those guys are the guys who win one-on-one on the outside and the Colts really don't have that guy. So um, just, and that's just one example. But if you go down the Colts roster, even the, the edge rushers that they just recently drafted, like that's, those aren't really guys who are going to be like ones in the NFL. And that's why the Colts are always going to be like in that fringe playoff, the way that their roster is built right now. All right. I think we've talked enough about the Colts. Uh, Jim Irsay, uh, that's for you because we probably wouldn't be talking about Colts if you didn't totally trash Carson Wentz yesterday at the owners meetings. Uh, but one guy that we do have to talk about, and we were just talking about, you know, quarterback needy situations and teams. And it's kind of down to Seattle and Carolina that desperately need a starting quarterback right now, whether they go in the draft or whether they still try to make a trade. The San Francisco 49ers still have Jimmy Garoppolo. And if you believe all the reports, it's seeming more and more likely that Jimmy is going to be there at least until we get like closer to the season, closer to training camp because of that shoulder surgery that he had. I'm really surprised that they have not moved on from Jimmy and, and KP, you can speak to this. Maybe, maybe it's just a matter of the shoulder surgery. They're, they're getting kind of low ball offers on him and they just don't want to make a deal. Or maybe there is something else going on there that I just don't see. Yeah. Lynch and Shanahan spoke at the owners meetings and essentially what they said was they, they laid out, everything that's happened. It sounded like they expected to get offers once the season was done. And then Jimmy decided to have shoulder surgery. And then once that happened, like the phones just stopped ringing. And because of that, like Jimmy can't throw until July. So it's not, you know, a surprise that nobody's calling for a quarterback who's going to miss OTAs, who's going to miss a mini camp, who's not going to be able to throw with his teammates. Like you guys, did you guys see the, the cringe video of Russ wearing a freaking helmet, um, throwing to his teammates with the Broncos. Like those are the things. Sure did. Let's you're... ride. <laughs> God, it's so embarrassing. Let's ride. Um, but those are the things that quarterbacks are doing right now. They're you know getting to know their new teammates, and Jimmy won't be won't have an opportunity for that. So it sounds like what Shanahan what Shanahan said the other day was they're going to wait until his shoulder is fully healed, and then that's when they're going to move him. There was an injury guarantee that they really didn't want to hit. So it was uh, $7.5 million, and they wouldn't have been able to re- fully recoup that until Jimmy passes a physical, which, again, he's not going to be able to pass a freaking physical until late in the summer, middle of the summer. So I, I wonder how much that played a part in. This could have all been solved by moving on from the quarterback when you told us he wasn't good enough a year ago when you traded three first-round picks again. That's not um, like anybody would agree with that. I feel like that's not really saying anything that anybody doesn't know. But still, here we are. 
Um, I think they're just holding out hope that somebody gets hurt. Um, you know, somebody retires like a, in a quarterback needy league, somebody comes calling, whether that's August, whether that's September before the season starts. Do you think there's any chance? Because you said, you know, they told us that Jimmy wasn't good enough, you know, when they traded up for, for Trey Lance, they packed three picks up to, for that selection. Um, their decisions in season make it seem like Jimmy is better than Trey in, in whatever, however they evaluate quarterbacks, whether it's right or wrong, they think Jimmy is better than Trey to, to win football games right now. Is there any chance Jimmy Garoppolo is, is starting games for the San Francisco 49ers this year? No, I don't think so. Um, Shannon even said yesterday that like he, he's said this a couple of times, which there's really no reason for him to say this, but he said he thought about benching Jimmy when they were three and five and when they were almost out of the playoffs and then they ended up beating the bears and going on a run. And he, he's talked about the ups and downs of a rookie quarterback with Trey and just the fact that he's going to have to fight through some things, but the, his words, and it's easy to read like headlines and think, Oh, Jimmy's coming back because he's still on the roster. But based on everything that Shanahan said, it, it sounds like, or he also said that they're in communi- constant communication, talking all the time. Uh, it sounds like Trey's going to be the guy and it's only a matter of time before they hand the keys over to him. So um, a lot of lip service going on, but Trey's probably going to be the guy. So we'll continue to monitor that situation there. Um, yeah, I think it has everything to do with the shoulder surgery, I would have to imagine. It's, you know, I, I don't view Jimmy Garoppolo a, as a top-end quarterback. Like, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people don't, but he's he still, the NFL. Yeah, but he's still a guy you would think, like, if you're Carolina in that quarterback situation, you would think that he would be on their radar. But the shoulder surgery complicates that trade a little bit. So, we'll see. Maybe Jimmy does wind up starting the season as a San Francisco 49er. Who knows? Uh, Lamar Jackson, after we saw, you know, the Deshaun Watson contract, most guaranteed money ever. Lamar Jackson is that next quarterback, I think, who is going to be up for a huge contract. And the conversations have been kind of weird around him and the Ravens, or or at least based on the reports that, like, they've had no conversation about his extension. And, you know, there was even some talk of, like, Lamar wants to win a Super Bowl so bad that he doesn't even care about his contract extension, which I just think is not true. Uh, when you see how much money Deshaun Watson got and how much these quarterbacks are getting paid, Lamar Jackson has to be thinking about his next contract and what that's going to look like. Um, I just think it's weird that the Ravens have been kind of honest, like, well, we just haven't had talks about it yet, which seems crazy to me because I think they should be ready to just pay him whatever the market dictates he deserves. And I think Lamar Jackson has enough in his body of work that he deserves that contract. Who are they going to talk to? Like, are they going to sit down and have in-depth contract details and have Lamar go line by line and read these contracts? Like he's, he's not, he's probably not, I'm not going to say he's not fit, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's not fit to have these type of discussions. So it's not really a surprise because in these situations, Unless you're like, there are outliers. Bobby Wagner doesn't have an agent, but Bobby Wagner is Bobby Wagner. Richard Sherman didn't have an agent, but Richard Sherman is Richard Sherman. Um, Lamar's still like very young, man. So no matter how the Ravens feel about him, they're probably going to do what's best for the Ravens and not want to um, give him that, that all the guaranteed money that Deshaun Watson got. So it's not terribly surprising that the Ravens are well, still. Good luck on that. 
Like, well, sure, and that's an extreme example, but because um, if I Deshaun imagine- got if Deshaun got it after all these allegations with the civil case still going on, you know, all the backlash that you would get from from a PR perspective for signing him, why wouldn't any of these quarterbacks get it? So I I feel like that's the new normal now is fully guaranteed oh. contracts the, the the way it works because why wouldn't it if, if the market is saying if this guy hits you know free agency or whatever he will get a fully guaranteed contract then how can you go back to that guy and say you can't do that so you're talking about you know going line by line with Lamar I, I almost feel like it got way easier for him and uh, Lamar is self-represented for, for those who didn't know he could just say you know I, I want 50 million dollars per year guaranteed that's the contract I want to sign I feel like that's super simple and at this point it's hard to turn down that contract if, if, if you're a team negotiating with them especially if you have to look at him face to face and say it you know did I forgot who it was maybe it was Eric DaCosta but the Ravens somebody high up in the Ravens front office just mentioned how like for lack of better like paraphrasing here that it wasn't fair that Watson got that. And I imagine they are probably, reg- you know, probably regretting probably, not getting ahead. The, Chief, the Chiefs and Packers just traded their star wide receiver because of what uh, <laughs> what, what happened at the wide receiver market. So, yeah, deal with it. That's new normal. If you don't want to pay, then trade him. Yeah, I imagine they're upset that they didn't get out ahead of that before the Watson deal. And that's their fault. We brought this up yep. months ago, right? When, when Josh Allen signed his extension, it was like, well, don't, you probably want to sign an extension sooner than later because quarterback money only goes up. So the, the faster you sign a quarterback to an extension, the better it is for your franchise long term. So I don't get it. I, I really don't. And and they they put out the what they made a statement and basically said, you know, in one in one of these interviews, they were like, whenever he wants to come and talk to us about a contract, like we'll be ready. And then Lamar went to Twitter and said. I love my Ravens. I don't know who the hell is putting out false narratives that I'm having thoughts about leaving. Stop trying to read my mind. You can't lie about Lamar because he's self-represented. So in these negotiations, there's only two sides. It's the team and it's him. And if the news isn't coming from him and the leaks aren't coming from him, it has to come from the team. So you can't even play like this this media game because you'd be isolating your quarterback. And I – We've just seen these situations not work out in the team's favor, like over the last several years where whether it was Kirk Cousins just holding out, holding out, holding out until he was able to go to the Vikings and get the kind of contract that he wanted. And and Dak Prescott, um, I I think that Lamar Jackson is that caliber of player. Like when you're a top 10 to 12 quarterback in the NFL, you've got the leverage whether the team that you're playing for is going to give it to you or someone on the open market is going to give it to you. And Lamar's got that kind of leverage, in my opinion, because I think he is that good of a player. Like Early in the season last year, we were talking about him as an MVP candidate, and I know his play declined, but the Ravens had so many injuries last year, and and he was banged up as he was trying to kind of carry that team that probably should have lost a lot more games if it wasn't for Lamar Jackson. Like he's that kind of player and, and somebody will pay him if the Ravens won't do it. I, I just think that he's inevitably going to get that contract and it's, it, it's better for the Ravens organization if they figure that out sooner rather than later in most cases. I mean, they're going to be put in situations where not only are you you know, paying, you know, the fifth year option, which is, you know, pretty a high cap number, you're going to have to end up tagging him at, at, 
top five quarterback money and having that cap hit hit your cap immediately. You know, that that's the biggest thing with the tag right now is those numbers are so high and there's no way to manipulate them the way you manipulate the other contracts around the league. So that's going to hurt the team. I, I just don't understand why you just don't pay him and just get it done with. Like you're going to have to pay a quarterback. That's the cost of doing business with a franchise quarterback. And it's not the worst way to build a team. Like it's, it's not all about using those assets and, you know, and elsewhere, et cetera. And as KP mentioned, it was actually Ravens owner Steve Bashadi that mentioned the Deshaun Watson deal and how there's some people around the league that, that weren't happy with how that played out and the way that it's going to affect negotiations on these things moving forward. Then uh, let your quarterbacks at free agency or trade them. Like, what else are you going to do? You're not just going to get quarterbacks for cheap. Rodgers just signed for what was it like functionally like $62.5 million per year on the extension and new money? Like, this is what the cost is now. Like quarterbacks matter a lot and they can just have you over a barrel. Let's take a quick timeout right here. And when we get back, we are going to do a top 10 mock draft in the upcoming NFL draft. That's coming up next on NFL University. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back into NFL University. I'm Steven Serta of Arrowhead Pride, joined as always by Justice Mosqueda of Acme Packing Co., as well as Kyle Posey of Niners Nation. Got a few weeks until the NFL draft, and as I already mentioned, we've it's been such a crazy NFL offseason. I feel like we haven't had an opportunity to dedicate as much time to the NFL draft as we really want to. This is an exciting time of year. I'm I'm glad that free agency is quieting down, although Chiefs fans are really freaking out about wide receiver trades that don't even seem on the table right now. I'm ready to move past that talk and start start focusing on on young players that they can draft. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk was somebody that somebody threw out there to me. I didn't know Brandon Ayuk was on the table. I'll take him in Kansas City if he is available right now, but I've seen no reports that the Niners are interested in trading him. I've seen Packers fans openly tweet at terry mclaurin i've seen them tweet at uh keenan allen it's real desperate in these streets for a wide receiver well now that a team saw or anybody saw that tyreek's available that means everybody's available so think about it tyreek's been traded Devontae's been traded who's not on the table in their minds uh, and Diana Rossini said that the Chiefs were supposedly making phone calls about top end wide receivers. And so that leads to 
Every top end wide receiver is available for the Kansas City Chiefs now. Doesn't matter what the cost is, even though they just traded Tyree Kill because they didn't want to give him thirty million dollars per year. So that's where we're at in the NFL offseason. So I am excited to get to the draft. I, I'm excited to start talking about some of these young players. So we're going to run through a top 10 mock draft and, and kind of discuss why we think that's where those guys should go, uh, how they fit in with those teams based on needs and, and whatever. So let's get into it. Number one team on the board, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Where do you guys see them going with the number one overall pick? So they're the number one overall pick. They just have to take the best player, right? Like no matter what. And luckily for them, that's probably not going to be your quarterback this year. So let's think about what they need. They are still the Jaguars and they have a ton of needs despite spending a lot of money. Most mock drafts have them taking um, an edge rusher. Uh, did who? They signed an offensive lineman, right? I'm blanking on who they signed. They tagged Cam Robinson. That's right. That's and right. Brandon, Brandon Scherf. Which takes tackle off the board, you would think, by tagging. Um, the, the, the surprise with Robinson and why you saw tackles go up so high is Cam Robinson already got tagged this past year. So he got the double tag right. with his 120% of what it is. And at that point, you're questioning why the hell couldn't Balky get a long-term contract done with this guy if he's taking up so much space on the cap hits and all that stuff. But I, I guess that was the surprise, right? Was if you didn't get an extension done with Robinson by July of last season, it didn't seem like you wanted him that bad anyway. It was a surprise that he got brought in. So him and Scherf, Juwan Taylor at right tackle, I think that kind of takes him out of the tackle market, especially considering the fact they took Walker Little, who's now you know a, a swing tackle basically, and he was a second round pick last season. So I second round, yeah, yeah. So like, if there's one spot the Jaguars are fine at, it's it's tackle right now. Which process of elimination brings us to edge rusher, right? Yes, exactly. Yes. And what Aiden Hutchinson's only taking visits with two teams. I mean, that's him telling us like he's probably going uh, to Jacksonville. I'm the I, guy. I'm, I would put a huge amount of money on, you know, Hutchinson going first overall. I, I can't imagine it's anyone else. I've seen some stuff about Trayvon Walker recently. I, I don't know how much I trust it, though. Well, that makes sense because players get this postseason bump after they perform well in the combine, the senior bowl. So there's there's a few players like that every season. So it's not to surprise that. Um, the edge rusher from the national freaking champions on one of the best defenses we've seen in the past few years is getting a is getting a bump. Um, I think the real question is, is Hutchinson the guy? Well, and I was yeah, I was curious about that. Like I he is the guy who is being mocked to them most and seems like consensus number one overall pick. But like in your guys's opinion and you guys watch a ton of film and break down a lot of these prospects like. Is he truly like the bona fide number one edge rusher in this draft that you would just say, if I got the number one pick, I got to take that guy? I do not think so. Yeah, thanks for throwing me out there, KP, to the wolves. <laughs> I, so he is the number one edge rusher. I don't think you're in a situation where you're like, I have to take this guy. I mean, the guy he reminds me of the most, I know people say like Jared Allen and stuff. The guy he reminds me of the most is like Trey Hendrickson. Um I don't think you need to take Trey Hendrickson first overall necessarily. Like he's going to go there. I think in the grand scheme of things, you take the overall like look of the draft class. I don't mind him being selected that high, but I don't think it's like a miles Garrett. Like this is a quote unquote generational talent. When, you know, we talk about generational talents, like every five years or something at each position, 
Um, I, I don't think Hutchinson is a guy like that is going to be a probably even like top five pass rusher in the league, but I, I understand the selection. He's just a steady Eddie. Like he's going to have a high motor. Like you don't have to worry about him busting for any sort of character issues or anything like that. So I, I understand where Jacksonville would be coming from with that selection, I guess. So if you were picking number one, would you take Hutchinson? No, I'm probably taking. Is this bias, Ooh. by the way? <laughs> Sko Ducks, baby, mighty Oregon, Trayvon, uh, Trayvon Thibodeau, or Trayvon Thibodeau. Um, I think I would trade out. I mean, that's, it, it's a cop-out, but I really don't think the top of the draft class, unless you need a tackle, is really that strong. I mean, we're, the consensus draft board right now, right? I'm looking at the top five. It's Aiden Hutchinson, number one, Evan Neal, Ikum, uh, Iki Ikwanu from North Carolina, North Carolina State. Those are both offensive tackles. Kayvon Thibodeau, who people seem to like, just not like his personality. He doesn't seem to have any sort of like criminal. The dumbest issues. thing ever. Can we talk about they're, that? They're like, the he's, he's a superstar. We don't really like it. Mind, mind you, Aiden Hutchinson's about to have a uh, whole podcast series on, on PFF about himself. <laughs> Love talking about myself. And then Kyle Hamilton, the safety for uh notre dame at number five and he's running you know four sevens at his pro day which is shocking so that's the top five and then it's a uh aac cornerback mark uh sauce mark gardner so okay so on thibodeau i've seen as recently as this week where somebody said like he wasn't they, they talked down on him because he chose oregon because they're affiliated with nike so you're telling me the player went to a school who probably paid him, and that's why he went to a school, like literally every one of these prospects do. Yes, I know. Players get paid. Shocking. <laughs> um, how is that a bad thing? Why would you fault the player for doing that? It's just weird how we pick and choose when guys are bad and when, Dude, you know, when guys this are This happened with right. Miles Garrett. Happened with this happened with Miles Lawrence. This it, happens every offseason. I'm not worried about, about Kayvon's off-field stuff yeah it's just and the personality thing so people it rubs people wrong that someone is talented and could basically choose to do things in their life and choose to not do things in their life whatever get over it that that is a downside of draft season is that there is a lot of this like misinformation as as if it's you know and, and maybe it does impact players draft stock sometimes it's my least favorite part of this time of year like he picked Oregon because they probably paid him and Oregon's got some style. Like their uniforms are pretty clean. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not they sure do. Tell the kids, tell the kids that. <laughs> okay. So I would agree with that. And I would pick Thibodeau as well because he's 21. He ran a four five. He actually plays like he's very, like he is super quick off the line of scrimmage. And I feel like he already has a go-to and a counter off that. And even if you're worried about him developing any further than that, the fact that he's here already as a 21-year-old, and when you watch Oregon play in the games that he was healthy, in the games that, you know, I, I think there was one game where he sat out uh, for a first half or whatever. But when he came in and when he had one-on-one -on -one opportunities, it's like, good night, man. These, these tackles can't guard him. And I do agree that it's a fair argument against a Pac-12 and how many actual NFL caliber guys he's going against. But when you see these guys win, how they win, how quickly they win, you can't take that away from him. And, and that's why I would be sold on uh, Thibodeau being – I'm not going to call him, you know, 
like the other edge rushers that we've seen come out in the past few years. But that's like those guys are transcendent. That's not a knock on Thibodeau for not being um, a Bosa. So like, he'll be fine. To, to kind of put this in perspective, like I think Thibodeau is a lot like Rashawn Gary coming out in terms of like he still has upside that he can hit and stuff like that. And Hutchinson is like Trey Hendrickson, right? And this that's what get. that's what we're talking about at the top of the draft class. Like that that's what we're talking about. So when when people are saying like you have to take someone at X, I'm like, ah, I don't know. I, I'd be on the phones. I'd be on the yeah. phones immediately and like, hey, what, what kind of future picks can I get out of this potentially? Um for Jacksonville specifically, I think Hutchinson makes a lot of sense too, because it's like you just need talent in the door immediately. You do not have a lot of talent. So, like, it's maybe not even an upside thing, but, like, let's say you take Thibodeau. It doesn't work out in this first year as he's, you know, making the jump from Pac-12 offensive tackles to NFL offensive tackles. Your team does poorly again, and Trevor Lawrence says, dude, I want to trade. Now how do you feel, right? Like, just get talent in the door at that point. And maybe that's why – the overspending on Christian Kirk, et cetera, makes sense from their perspective. Yeah. When we're talking about these teams at the top of the draft, like obviously they all have holes everywhere and Jacksonville was the worst team in football. So uh, I agree. Just get talent on the roster. Uh, If you're Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence, like next season is just like, let's just improve a little bit. (laughs) Like let's just not be the urban Meyer Jaguars this year. Let's try to win a few more football games, but Let's go to number two, the Detroit Lions. They've obviously got a lot of holes, too. They need a pass rusher. They lost Trey Flowers. They probably need another wide receiver, cornerback. They're kind of a wild card for me at number two because they have Jared Goff, Dan Campbell. We saw what the Lions did last year where, like, they at times were better than they had any business being and were, like, a legit problem and competitive in a way I don't think a lot of us saw coming last season. I don't think it's crazy for them to take a quarterback at number two, even in a weak class, just because it's the lions and they know Jared Goff isn't the future, but there's obviously a a ton of different routes. I could go all kinds of needs. I just think that they could be that wild card to, you know, shock everybody and take a quarterback at number two. I agree. And I'm not a big Malik Willis fan, but I think it makes sense for Detroit more than it does for other teams, right? Where you have a Jared Goff, there who can play immediately. Um, you can have Malik Willis grow on the bench. It seems like from a cultural fit, like everyone loves Malik. You add him with Dan Campbell, like legitimately trying to like turn over the culture. And this is something KP and I had talked about all season in season. Like Campbell is like actually the culture guy that people thought like guys like Joe judge and et cetera were right. So I think it makes sense when, when you look at the cost of, trading up for one of these guys, right? Like Kyle's team just traded three first round picks to move up for Trey Lance to sit him on the bench for a year. So if you're looking at the cost, like benefit analysis, and you're saying we want to take a high upside guy, we understand he cannot play early, but we don't want to pay premium picks down the line for it. Why don't we just take him now? And it's two first round picks cheaper than if we try to trade up in the future for one of these guys, we're going to have to land one of them eventually. Or you bottom out again next year and you take a quarterback. Or maybe you bottom out next year. You're in a position where you win enough games where now the other two teams, like, I'm not going to trade out because I want to see this route. I'm not going to trade out because I want Bryce Young or whoever the quarterbacks they like. Um, yeah, it would make sense. It, I don't know if you guys watch this pro day, and, and this sounds so ridiculous, but there was after the final throw, 
Malik Willis is jumping up and down, smiling, running down the field. And like all of his teammates are coming around him, like celebrating. Like I love to see that. And when you're talking about culture, like I feel like that translates. So if I'm Detroit and I see that, if I'm Dan Campbell and I see that, I see how other guys come around and rally around Willis knowing his traits. And yes, like he's going to have some decision-making issues. And there are times where he fails to see routes that are, let's just say, further than 12 yards down the field. Sure, whatever. Um, there are plenty of things that he does well where you can work with. And again, if you just treat it as like a redshirt year, who like if you look at him, those guys are probably not going to fail in the NFL based on how the NFL is trending. So, yeah, Detroit, man, it, it, you would be – Hard pressed to find a worse option than Malik Willis, and you can go a positional route. But like, how much is a tackle really going to make Detroit better? Like over the next five years? Well, they can't take a tackle, right? I mean, they just well, they just got Sewell. But yeah, yeah, I understand what you mean. Like, you're in a position where j- j- you're looking at the future anyway. Right. Do you like? I don't think anyone's holding the first year record for Dan Campbell against him either. So it's not like he's on any sort of like two year hot seat or anything like that. So. If you can build around it, and you're 100% right on the Malik Willis character stuff, like, as soon as it became evident at the Senior Bowl that, like, coaches were going to love the dude, he just started getting pushed up boards immediately. And and that's really the story. It's He has a hot, high upside. Coaches really love him. That's it. Simple as that. In Detroit, uh, I have to imagine that Dan Campbell's got quite a leash right now because, like, that roster's not good the way that it presently sits. It's not going to be competitive. And I think like even if they go into next season and say they draft Malik Willis, like they could wind up being in the same situation that they're in right now. Like you kind of mentioned KP, like they're competitive and it feels like they're more competitive than they should be. And so you're just like, okay, that, that buys Dan Campbell leeway here. And we just got to develop Malik Willis and get to next season. And then hopefully we'll have more pieces around him. So I wouldn't be shocked if that's where the lions go at number two. Uh, Houston Texans pick number three. They've also got a bunch of holes. Uh, they need a safety. They need an edge rusher. They don't need a quarterback because uh, it seems like they're going to try to build this thing around Davis Mills moving forward. So who do you guys think is on the board at number three that makes the most sense for a team like the Houston Texans? That is crazy to say out loud, by the way. We're going we're gonna to build this bad boy around Davis Mills and yep. see how it works out. Cornerstone. Uh, best of luck. And maybe if that's the case, looking at, you know, the rest of the NFL draft, like a wider, you're not going to take a wide receiver at number three. There isn't a guy that you're going to take who's going to have that number three type of impact. So maybe they do take a tackle. Um, Justice just talked about how a lot of – But it would tackles, have to be a right tackle, right? Right tackle at third overall because you already have Larry B. Tuntle locked in. Right. So maybe that just tells us it has to be Evan Neal by default. I would look at edge rusher. For Houston, I think this is when we start having the the Kayvon versus Trayvon Walker mm. conversation. Like I, I feel like one of these guys are gonna go in, in that spot. And another one that's interesting is Kyle Hamilton. If he didn't run so poorly, I mean, we'll we'll see. You know how the reporting goes in terms of like how bad his pro day actually was in terms of like his draft stock. But I thought Kyle Hamilton would be a guy that makes sense for Houston, and it seems like. That's a reach for a safety, but the way Lovey Smith plays defense, his safeties are basically corners in terms yeah. of their impact in the deep game because he runs such a old school style of uh, defense. I mean, they're playing cover two so much that they're having to deal with deep halves, and if you have to do that, like those guys got to be able to play rangy around the around the back end. And that was the situation with Hamilton and Notre Dame. 
I don't understand how his 40 time is that low when you look at his film. Um, I guess it'll be interesting to see how much that pro day 40 time impacts it. You got to think like he's a big dude and guys that big, it doesn't always look like they're moving that fast, but like he, he does when you're watching him, he chases he, down guys. Yeah. Like, so when you're watching him, even when he's carrying guys down the seam or when like he's in the slide, and he has to run with the fade. Like he's, he's step for step with them. So like play speed's not a problem. So maybe he's just not a guy who can get into a stance yeah. and just run off of like a whistle or a gun or a sound, as opposed to um, I have a guy five yards away from me. I know I have to catch him. I'm going to catch him. And that's what you really see. So uh, not all guys are like really like time speed guys, or even, you know, we see a lot of times with the way that, you know, all these guys have plenty of time to practice uh, running and training for a 40. Maybe like he spent his time doing actual football things instead of preparing for uh, track re- uh, track meet. So um, I guess I understand why he didn't run slow and or why he didn't run as fast as some might have thought. But when you watch him, yeah, it's the you don't come away thinking, oh, man, like he he can't run. What do we think about this pick here? I, I'm feeling edge rusher. Yeah, I mean, the, the, when you bring up the Lovey Smith one, that's just how he used safeties. I, I don't I just don't feel like the way that the NFL the, – the way that the NFL thinks. And that that 40 is going to matter. You know, like After everything I just said, like that's – I agree, matter. even if it shouldn't, right? Like that that's kind of my perspective, which is why I'm like, Kayvon or, or Trayvon, which one are you taking? Uh, I, I'm taking um, Tibbs. Um, yeah. Yeah, we'll just call it Tibbs. Yeah, I think that's the the way to go at, at number three. If we're taking uh, if we're taking Willis at number two, I I, I think Kayvon Thibodeau is is the guy that the Texans need. Uh, they just don't have a pass rush right now. Um, number four, the New York Jets. They've got needs at cornerback, edge, linebacker, wide receiver. They were supposedly in on the Tyree Kill trade supposedly still making calls on other top end wide receivers so they still want to make wide receiver splash but they've got another pick in the top 10 so they don't necessarily need to do it here at number four uh they do have a big cornerback need so i'm curious do you guys see uh a a sauce gardener going here at number four to the new york jets so sign dj reed who's a good player and he played a little inside a little outside for the seahawks and they also signed jordan whitehead and I think he's another good player. They, I don't know how you pass up on Stringley here, man. Um, I know he wasn't hurt, or I know he didn't play well, uh, or people think he didn't play well over the last couple of seasons. But based on t- – if you just ignore everything after 2019, like he's he's probably one of the better cornerbacks to come out in the last five years. Um, I would go there, but I also understand, you know, if, if – with Robert Sala – and how they built San Francisco, they're probably going to take a defensive lineman. I know they have Quentin Williams. I know they have Carl Lawson. Um, like they signed some depth guys, so maybe they they like travel like an at like they love athletes. Like that's who they get. They get guys who can get off the ball, who can chase, and who run sideline to sideline. Like that sounds like Trayvon Walker. That set like seems like the, the exact guy that we're talking about. If you remember, if you're watching Georgia you're probably seeing 44 chase down somebody from behind. So um, my gut, like if I were making a pick, I'm taking Stringley just because I know I have a guy who can match up. I put DJ Reed as a CB2, which would probably make him a better player. Um, 
And now my secondary is intact and maybe I can come back with my next pick. And then maybe Trayvon Walker is there. Maybe there's another edge rusher. And if not, I can fall back on a wide receiver. But if, if I'm thinking best player, it's uh it's the LSU cornerback, but how he, if I think he still thinks the same way as as he did with the 49ers, uh, Trayvon Walker seems like like a solid kind of guy. No, I I agree on the Walker point because you look at how these teams are built when they play heavy cover three schemes and, you know, Salah still does a lot of that stuff. Um, they seem to value that, that front four where they're able to get pressure with four a whole lot more than they value cornerbacks. Like think about mm-hmm. how many times the Seattle Seahawks have drafted you know, a first round corner or, or the Niners have drafted a first round corner. Never right? like, doesn't, the, doesn't happen. The 49ers haven't taken a cornerback in the top two rounds in 22 years. So you, <laughs> this you, is not what they do. You get back Carl Lawson who was hurt in joint practice against the Packers last season. And you didn't have him at all. And he was supposed to be your premier edge rusher. And then good you player, get, by the way, yes, for sure. A good player. And then you get Trayvon Walker. You have two edges now, right? Yep. You're way, way better than where you were set. Uh, going into 2020, 2021 in the regular season at the very least. So I, I think Walker makes a whole lot more sense for the Jets there. And you get Quentin inside too. So that, that's a nice formidable D-line there. It's quite an upgrade from where they were last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all of that makes sense. Um, all of a sudden you're looking at that pass rush like it might be a problem if that's where they wind up going at number four. Uh, number five, the New York Giants. It feels like the Giants need offensive tackle help every single season in the <laughs> NFL draft. Uh, that didn't change this year. Uh, they could use an edge. They've got they've got some other holes that they need to fill, but they've also got the number seven overall pick. So if we went Aiden Hutchinson, uh, Malik Willis, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then Trayvon Walker at number four. So those are the guys that are off the board. Who do you guys think is the best available fit for the Giants at number five? I think it's Evan Neal. I think this is where Neal finally goes off of the board. And, you know, Neal was a guy who was talked about as a potential first overall pick until Jacksonville made that move to tag Cam Robinson. I think that's the spot that they're in. I mean, I I don't think – I think the Giants know that they have to strip it down, right? And if you have to strip it down and rebuild it completely, if your tackles are Andrew Thomas and Evan Neal, there's a whole lot worse places to be in the world, you know? Thomas got so much better, man. I'm, I'm so happy. Yeah. Uh, for him because he was getting beat like a drum at first and people were giving up on him. But like he was, I thought he was good. Coming, I thought he was the best tackle coming out of that draft, obviously worse. Um, but it is nice to see him get better and pairing him with Neil gives you two like really good booking guys. And again, I don't know. I don't want to pretend like Neil's ceiling is going to be like this all pro guy, but we know he's going to be a very good player. Like at the very worst. So having that, I don't know what they're going to do a quarterback. Like that's that's going to matter. But still, like if you're going to tear it down, as you mentioned, you have you have a foundation there. And looking around, like if can you name their edge rushers right now? Like who the Giants edge rushers? Is like Lorenzo Carter still there? Um, that they have the Georgia guy Aziz Aziz um, Ojolari, who's yeah. a run stopper, right? And, and other than that, nope. It's, I got nobody else. I know. I know. Jihad Ward signed with them somehow i was like that's a weird fit but yeah that's it so it's aziz it's leonard williams it's justin Nelson, it's dexter lawrence they have a bunch of run stopping guys we don't have any pass rushers so that might tempt them but yeah you have to protect you have to protect daniel jones man and, and neil would just be the easiest fit i feel like so i i would agree there well and if 
you're the New York Giants and you're kind of strategizing this a little bit. You just got to wait on the Carolina Panthers at number six who have plenty of needs of their own, but we know that Matt Rule needs a quarterback and that they are not going to roll into next season with Sam Darnold as their starter. It doesn't seem like, uh, but right now he is still their starting quarterback. So if the Panthers go go quarterback at number six and the Giants could, could still address some of their needs at number seven, do you guys believe – that that is where the Panthers are going to go at number six. Like they've been linked to Kenny Pickett and it seems like he's Matt rules guy. And as we get closer to the draft, it seems like that's where they're just going to wind up going. Never in a million years as a degenerate who I feel like I watch a lot of college football during the season. Like would I watch Pickett thinking, man, top 10 pick right there. Like that is just nuts. How we, how we do this every year. And it sounds like I'm talking down on Pickett, but to say that he's not a number six overall pick doesn't like, I'm not going out on them. I'm not saying anything. Anybody doesn't know, but quarterbacks get propped up every year and Carolina needs one. I don't know though, man. I don't think I could, I wouldn't have the heart to pull the trigger. Think about Matt rule and think about how much he's failed at this position. He's failed every time. Uh, I wouldn't do it, man. What about justice? Are you pulling the trigger on picket here? Am I? No. Do I think Matt rule will? Yes. It, no, no team rostered more players from an individual <laughs> school than the Carolina Panthers rostered from Temple last year. What do you think about that? I do love that. That's just his strategy. <laughs> and they signed another one this year. They of signed uh, they have to Matt, be good. Matt Yadonis, uh, the defensive lineman. They signed him. So when you're talking about like the connections and stuff like that, this is all Matt Rule really knows. All he knows is those Baylor players and, and those Temple players coming from the college level. So I – I really do think that there's a potential for it. So I, I would slate Kenny Pickett as the pick right now. Do I agree with it? No. Do I think Matt Rule gets fired within a year of that pick happening? Yep. <laughs> do I think Pickett's going to be a good long-term quarterback? Nope. But that that's kind of the situation that they're in. And if they do, I mean, it's a bummer, but he's trying to save his job, right? And if he can hitch his wagon to, I, I know who your franchise quarterback is. Maybe that has some play with ownership in a way that can – potentially get him some more job security moving forward. I'm probably taking the NC State's tackle or one of the top tackles here. And I know that it, it kind of goes backwards, you know, since I don't have a quarterback, but I'm just not picking Kenny Pickett here. But they're not thinking that way. They're thinking we have to win right now. Like yeah, this, not this right moment. Now. That does not <laughs> that's the problem. Yeah, that's the whole issue is – they should be in a team in a rebuilding mode right now, but they're pushing cap space forward. They just converted Christian uh, Christian McCaffrey's contract. And it's like, we, what are you creating this cap space nuts. for, Doug? So, Why are you letting Rule touch future money? I, I, I do agree. Um, you know, taking Kenny Pickett there is not a good strategy, in my opinion. And they probably should go offensive tackle. Uh, Iki Iquanu from NC State seems like he would be a good fit for the Carolina Panthers, who have a bad offensive line, but... Yeah, I think that's just not where Matt Rule's going. So move on to the Giants at number seven. Number five, they took Evan Neal. There's no, you know, the top three edge rushers are off the board, but KP, you are just talking about how they need an edge. Do you want to reach here, or do you, you want to go for the top available cornerback who, who we're still looking at, uh, Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley, because those guys are still available, and the Giants – it seems like they're ready to move on from James Bradbury, so they could have a cornerback need by the time we actually get to the NFL draft. 
yeah, it wouldn't be surprising to see a team like the Chiefs or, you know, a, a playoff caliber team come in and try to swoop in James Bradbury on draft day. So I think they are going to end up taking a cornerback. I mean, I don't see how Stringley would fall here, but I mean, the NFL is stupid and they do this every year. So I'm going to go him and pair him. So you have a Dory Jackson, uh, you have Xavier McKinney and, you know, just have a young secondary and you just hope that one of these guys pans out. I, I really do think this LSU guy is going to be like an, a lockdown stud. I think he's going to be a top 10 quarterback within two to three years. In the NFL. He's that good in my opinion. So uh, that's where I'm going. I think that makes sense. And I think the next pick too, Atlanta, I, I feel like uh, Sauce Gardner, Ahmad Gardner is probably, if he's there, that's probably something close to the pick. They had their entire like defensive staff, including cornerbacks coach. They had the general manager. I think even the head coach at the Cincinnati Pro Day. I don't think it was there to for for Ritter necessarily, just because you know DB coaches there doing all the drills and stuff like that with him. Um, but if that's the situation, I feel like it's pretty easy to pick Gardner there. Once you say like, "Hey, corners are coming off of the board. We're probably not trading back." That's right. probably the situation there, but. We're, we're still – this is the weird thing, right? We're at pick eight putting in Sauce Gardner, and Ikiokwanu is still on the board. Like, it's hard It's hard to find these spots where these tackles are going to end up getting drafted. Well, and the Seahawks have a huge need at tackle, so I think that's yeah. actually a good spot for him. And, you know, they need a quarterback. Drew Locke's not the answer, but it seems like Pete Carroll is lying to, themself, to himself, so – Maybe he just says we get some protection for Drew Locke and maybe we can get a little bit more out of him, number nine. I'm going – by the way, I'm going Kyle Hamilton for the Falcons. I know that's kind of off really? the border. Yeah, I think I'm going to go – so I have A.J. Terrell, who is probably the third best cornerback at worst in the NFL really, based really on last good. season. Um, and they just signed uh, Casey Hayward. It's about yep. to get scary in Atlanta. Yeah, so right. – <laughs> Kyle Pitts tweet. Um, yeah, definitely not talking about anything else. Um so you have – I mean, the improvement over Eric Harris would just be tremendous. Like, I, I, I understand – the him to, to Hamilton? Yeah. I mean, Eric Harris is not a good football player, and he just keeps finding work for some reason. Think um, about the different things that they could do now that they have Terrell, who follows guys around and who's very good at that. He can go inside, he can go outside, he can guard 6'4 receivers, he can guard 5'11 receivers. So you have a matchup cornerback, you have a, a – a veteran Hayward who, you know, is more of a zone guy, but a smart guy who doesn't really get beat often. And then now you have Hamilton who's a chess piece and you can do so much with him over the middle of the field. I feel like that would just make their secondary leaps and bounds better than anything that's been in the past few years. I agree. I just think, you know, the fact that sauce Gardner had to wipe off the drool from the Atlanta Falcons staff <laughs> at his pro day probably, you know, kind of makes it obvious that they're looking at him at that selection. That's the only, re- that's my reasoning. For it. I don't even necessarily look at cornerback as really a need for Atlanta. Like, I guess you're playing Casey Hayward in, in the nickel instead of him being a full-time starter. And I guess that depends on what your opinion of what Casey Hayward is at this point uh, is moving forward. But I, I don't know how much another cornerback improves Atlanta like long-term. But Yeah, I mean, Hayward's at the, at the same time, Hayward's going to be 33 in September. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's up there in age. I just at, – at that point – you're in full blown like rebuilding mode, right? And you're you're looking at the future. And I feel like Atlanta should have a little bit more urgency. Like they're they're almost the opposite of Carolina, right? Where we're talking about Carolina and we're like, why are you in win now mode? You should be rebuilding. Where 
Atlanta's in a situation where they're going into a second year and their team is only getting worse and worse. Like at some point you got to start taking some, some hacks at this thing and, and hoping to get some better results. Well, and now we go to see how, Oh, sorry. Were you going to add something? Uh, I was just going to say, so if we're going uh, Hamilton at, at Atlanta, is Seattle going to take Iquanu or Gardner? I'm going, I would go sauce here if I'm them. And I mean, they could use a pass rusher too at the same time. So this could be a spot where maybe they, they like somebody who we haven't mentioned yet, but uh, it would be tough for me to like looking at their roster. Like they have Sidney Jones, they have Trey Brown. Um, Sidney Jones has been banged up. They have Artie Burns um, from, from the Bears who never really panned out. Um, maybe this is a spot. Well, no, this I don't think this would be a spot for a wide receiver. I think they can wait on that. But assuming they have uh, to take tackle, they have yeah. to. Like, oh. They have Stone Forsyth, Jake Curhan. And Greg Eland are the is, is did did Dwayne Brown not resign? He is not yet. Ah, yep. So Brandon Shell and Dwayne Brown are out. So okay. I, I feel like they if Icky is there at nine, they're sprinting to the podium, right? You'd have to think, especially the way Pete Carroll wants to play football, which is like he wants to go back to the run game. That's what Icky does the best. So if he's available, they're probably sprinting to turn that card. Okay, so we're going to go uh, Icky at number nine for the Seattle Seahawks. So final pick, New York Jets, number 10. We have not taken a wide receiver yet, but Sauce Gardner is still on the board. Um, where are you guys going with our final pick of the mock draft? Where do we go for the first Jets pick? What do we agree on? Uh, Trayvon Walker. Okay. Now they're in a good spot. Yeah. Now, now, now they're like, hey, just take whoever's the best player. BPA. Sauce is going to be tough to pass up for solid, man. Yeah, I, I think I think so too. Wide receiver is interesting, but like they're so log jammed there already where they can't figure out. Like they're trying to trade Denzel Mims because they know he has talent, but they can't figure <laughs> out how to get him on the field with Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, and Braxton Berrios on the roster. Braxton Berrios. Imagine that, man. You Braxton Berrios. Um, I, I, feel, I feel like Sauce is good there, right? Yeah, yeah. man. So just, just we were talking about the same thing. You – I think DJ Reed would be a very good player as a CB2. I think he's good no matter what. I think – so now you have Joyner, you have Whitehead. Those are your safeties. And hopefully you get something out of Ashton Davis, uh, who's your other safety. And they do like to use, you know, more than two safeties. And having a guy like Sauce Gardner eventually develop in your CB1, and I think he – just because he's not as good as Derek Schindler doesn't mean he's not a good player. Um, yeah, this would be a good fit for them, you know, long cornerback aggressive Salah really asks a lot of his cornerbacks when it comes to like just being playing the force and yeah I think that's something that Gardner looks at as well yeah I still think the Jets have some need on offense but in a deep wide receiver class I think you can address that a little bit later if you need to and like you guys mentioned Robert Sala wants to he wants to build up that defense and he wants them to have a much bigger impact than they did last season for the Jets so I think sauce makes a lot of sense there for that low bar <laughs> Yes, yes. Very low bar for the New York Jets. But that is our uh, top 10 mock draft. Uh, make sure you stay locked in right here on the SB Nation NFL show. Got a ton of incredible draft content coming for you guys over the next month or so as we get closer and closer. So please make sure you check us out. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple and Spotify. You can follow Justice on Twitter at J-U-M-O-S-Q. You can follow KP at KP underscore show. I'm Steven Serta. That's where you can find me. We'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you.
more to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.